Thank you, Kyle, and thank you, Ben. If you have your Bibles this morning, please pull them out. And uh, <laughs> that was almost in harmony. I know what it says at the top of your outline that uh, 2 Corinthians is, is our numbers passage, but I got to be honest with you, uh, that's going to come into play today about the last five minutes of our message. Uh, <clears throat> we've, we've been in this series of messages titled Numbers, some important numbers in our, in our lives that we have memorized, and, and we've said there's some important numbers in Scripture that we need to have memorized. And uh, this week, the Lord uh, directed my heart in a different direction. I don't know about you, and I don't know about your Facebook feed, but is there anybody else in this room whose Facebook feed looks like mine? Uh, just, now some of you are hard at work trying to find Waldo. I know you are. Uh, he's in there, I promise, he's in there. But my Facebook feed has been blown up with he said this and she said this. And when this person did this, what they did next, you won't believe. And this person, this friend of mine said this and this friend of mine from Texas said that. And over and over and over, there's so much stuff going on. Church, I don't want to waste time uh, with other stories on getting where I'm going today. Kyle's already mentioned it, that our, our country is, is hurting today. I'm not here today to talk politics. I'm not here to throw rocks at one candidate and throw praise on another. I'm here today to remind us of who we are. And our number today is a number of purpose. And... I believe the church, the global church, has an opportunity in front of us like I'm not sure I've ever seen, where we have an opportunity to step into our God-given role in our country in such a time as this to help bring healing, to help bring unity, help bring hope. I mean, I think it's what we are all about. And so today, I, I, I don't want to ignore it. I don't want to act like uh, the church shouldn't even recognize what has happened this last week in our country. I'm, I'm not guessing. I'm confident that there are some people sitting in this room today that Wednesday morning when you woke up, you were excited about the results of the presidential election. I'm just as confident that there are people sitting in this room today that when you woke up on Wednesday morning, you were devastated. You were heartbroken. What are we going to do now? This is horrible. This is a terrible circumstance. And church, I'm just not going to ignore it. This isn't about politics today. This is about who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. Speaking of Waldo, when Catherine and I, our little boys, when we started introducing them to Where's Waldo, we didn't just open the book. And, and Anybody else with your kids? Where's Waldo? Yeah, three, three of you know what I'm talking about. All right, Rich, stay with me here. When we, first, when we first started going Where's Waldo, we didn't just open it to the middle of the book and say, okay, Garrett, 
Find Waldo. What would Garrett have said? Who's Waldo? What's Waldo? What did we have to do first? We had to show him a picture of Waldo. Hey, he's got this hat on with a little red burp on the top of it and, and his striped sweater and those round glasses. I need you to look. You've got to look really close. He's in there. I promise he's in there. And we would open the book and, and off we'd go. Dad, I can't find him. Mom, I can't find Waldo. All right, well, let's look on this side of the page. Let's, let's not look at the whole thing. Let's just look over here in this section. And I stare. I mean, you look really carefully. And he'd look and he'd look. I can't find him. All right, well, let's look down at the bottom. And we would coach him along in how to look for Waldo. And once they found Waldo, they knew what they were looking for. Dad, I had no idea that he'd be that small. Look at him. He's right there behind that fire pit. And you can just barely see the red thing on top of his head. Sometimes he is very, very difficult to find. Other times he's not as difficult to find. And I believe the Christian community has an obligation, has a duty to help those around us find Walter, I mean, find Jesus. If I do that today, I'm, I don't mean to. have it in my notes uh, to say it once or twice, but now that I'm into it, I'm like, I don't want to say Waldo. I want to say Jesus. Because I think that people see all that other mess going on around them, and they forgot. And, and, and hey, church, is it even possible that we have forgotten that Jesus is in the midst of all this stuff going on? He's here Okay, let me stop and coach you for a little bit. No matter how crazy it is in your workplace, no matter how crazy it is at, at home, no matter what the relationships are, church, listen, let me get down to the bottom of it today. Just keep looking. He is here. He's here. Now, I believe that the enemy is using one of the tactics, one of his schemes that he has been using for ages. It's nothing new what's going on in our country. It is not new. And today I'm going to take us through a, a passage. It's, an, it's a, an, a scene that happened with Paul in the city of Philippi. You're familiar with it. It's, it's not going to be a new story for you. But I do want to point out a scheme that the enemy is using that we should be familiar with. He did it with Jesus as well. I'll point it out in a second. Hey, I wonder how many times the disciples, when they were unrolling their sleeping bag at night and undo the zipper and and they climb in their REI sleeping bag. And they zip it up and, and, they, and they're sitting there staring at the stars at night. I wonder how many times they went, dude, I did not see that coming today. And Jesus walked up by that guy at the pool of Bethsaida and, and said, man, do you want to be healed? And he said, no, I don't have anybody to care. And Jesus said, get up, take your mat and go home. I did not see that coming. Hey, remember the day when, remember the day when Jesus told those demons to come out of those, out of that guy and into the pigs and they ran off? I totally didn't see that coming. I mean, that was, that was wild. We're going to see it in this story. And I didn't see that coming moment. I'm in Acts chapter 16. Will you turn there with me? 
We like opening our Bibles around here. It's just what we do. Paul has, and the crew have made their way to Philippi, a Roman colony, major thoroughfare, major trade route. Uh, it is filled with ex-military folks. It goes way back. Um, and, and so they get there, <clears throat> and they start doing their thing. Paul does his typical thing. He starts teaching and preaching Jesus. His agenda was Jesus. I'm in verse 16. We're going to read together through this story, and in the last five minutes, I'll get to the outline on your page. <clears throat> I'm starting in verse 16. As we, now this is the writer Luke. Luke is with them now, so this is first person. He's, he's with them. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a, had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaimed to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having, becoming, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you, in the name, <clears throat> I command you in the name, say it with me, of Jesus Christ to come out of her and it came out that very hour I, I need to remind you things are about to get crazy in Paul's life things are about to get turned upside down you know if he just keep his mouth shut none of this stuff would ever happen if he would just just fit in, man. Just mix into the crowd. None of this stuff would ever happen. But he opens his mouth. The thing that we're about to witness in the coming verses is the same tactic that is being used in our country today. It is the fear of something new. The fear of something new. We're not going to fall for it. We're not going to bite the hook. We're not going to take the bait. We're not going to fall for it. We're going to stay kingdom focused. We're going to keep our eyes on Jesus. But I want you to keep your eyes peeled in this story. It's, it's nothing new. The fear of something new. He's about to bring in, well, let's just keep looking. Let's just pick it back up. Verse 19. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them before, to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd join in in attacking them. And the magistrates tore their garments off them and gave the orders to beat them with the rods, with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer, keep them safely. 
Having received this order, he put them in, into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. See, these, these guys that were getting, that was their income, was this little girl who had the, had the fortune telling. Once they saw that that was gone and these guys were preaching Jesus something new, things got bad. People get afraid of something new. Now, we try doing that in the church. <laughs> you, know what I'm saying? you know what I'm saying? Something new. You can't do that. That's not the way we've always done it. And people get scared of that. They did it with Jesus. Jesus came along, and the religious establishment, here comes this guy saying he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. What is that? And we know the rest of the story and what happened to Jesus. See, the establishment was afraid of something new. We're not going to bite the hook. We're not going to fall for it. We're not going to take the bait. <clears throat> so Paul and Silas, there they are. Well, I bet they didn't see that coming. As I understand it, they were probably more dead than they were alive after those beatings. Thrown in the bottom of a jail cell. In the inner prison, there is no hope for them to get out. Things look bad. <clears throat> what are they going to do now? What's going to happen in the middle of this prison, I've gotten so far off my notes that I'm trying to find it. There it is. I, I think that we see in our text, they don't get distracted. That they keep their eyes on Jesus. Um, their commitment and passion for the gospel of Jesus is not lost. But you see, I think that there's, we can make this very personal as well. There's probably crazy times in my life and in your life where it's easy to take our eyes off of Jesus and our purpose and focus on the circumstances, focus on the storm. It's easy to do. I don't think we see that at all <clears throat> in this story. Let's keep reading in verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, fell down before Paul and Silas. Is that, is that, a, is that a gift from God to just break the chains and break the doors open? Was that, I mean, he was in jail. There's no hope. There's no way out. This, I'm about... It's, this is it. This is the big one, Elizabeth. And uh, all of a sudden, 
Man, I totally didn't see that coming. <laughs> and their chains are off. And the jailer, he knew what was going to happen to him, so he was going to take, just go ahead and get it done. He said, Paul said, don't harm yourself. Man, I, see, I think Paul is so focused, even in the worst of circumstances, on the gospel. He was more focused on the gospel than he was on his own comfort and circumstances. I think that is a wonderful, powerful word for you and I today in the midst of the circumstances of our country. People all around us, no matter where they fall out in this election results, some are hurting, some are, are elated. You know, one of the reasons I'm not crazy about a quarterback for the San Diego Chargers, I don't want to call anybody's name out or anything. <laughs> not only is he a bad loser, he's a bad winner. He doesn't do either one of them very well. And the same is happening in this circumstance today. There are some bad losers and there's some bad winners. And I'm afraid that there are followers of Christ that are caught up in that more than staying focused on the gospel of Jesus. We're not going to fall for it. We're not going to fall for it anymore. This is not about politics today, church. This is about you and I staying the course, staying focused on what we are called to be and called to do. There is not a relationship in your life and in my life that is worth destroying over a presidential election. There's not. Especially a relationship that God may want to use you in their life to introduce to them from love. You may be at a place in a relationship, a friendship, whatever it is, to say, forget it. I've heard story after story from people who have said, I can't believe how many people have unfriended me. The audacity of somebody. <laughs> They've unfriended me because of where I stood or stand in this political season. We're not falling for it, church. I'm calling every one of us to come back and be centered on Jesus centered on the gospel. Paul is in horrible, horrible circumstances. He just got a whooping like you and I have never received. And he's still yelling out to his, the one who is enslaving him. He's yelling out to them, don't do it. We're all here. Now, you and I, we go to the bank. We just had a garage sale. We worked 70 hours getting stuff out in our driveway. We made 100 bucks. Anybody relate to that? that? Now, that didn't just happen to us recently, but in the past, I mean, these slave, and we made $36, honey, you know. So you go to the bank, just pretend with me. You go to the bank, and you take your $100 that you just made, and you take it to the uh, people, and you say, I'd like to deposit this in savings, please. They take it, they off you go, they give you the receipt, you get in the car, you go home, you put it on the countertop, the receipt, and, you, and your spouse looks at the receipt and goes, where did we get $1,000? You look at it and you notice that the teller added a zero. Made a mistake. Was that a gift from God? 
I mean, the jail cell just got broke wide open, man. Chains fell. Obviously not. See, yeah, we should go back and say, I'll give you half back. We, we, sh we should go back and make it right. And Paul, he had the perfect opportunity to run and flee, and he stayed. I think and believe that his focus on, on the gospel was so powerful in his life that even in the worst circumstances, he didn't get knocked off center. He stayed the course. He stayed the course. Let's keep reading. Then he, brought them, <clears throat> then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, and, and, and your household. And they sp spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into the house and set food before them. And he, he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Friends, listen. I think we find ourselves in a place today with a task in front of us. And that's to help people find Waldo. To find Jesus. You know where they're going to start looking? They're going to start looking in you. In you. In you. And what are they going to find? Because they're going to start looking in you. And in you. Are they going to find someone that is passionate about the gospel of Jesus? That, that they listen with care, they listen with compassion? Their words are loving and kind. Or are they going to find a good Republican? <laughs> or are they going to find a strong Democrat? I'm not kidding. Who are they going to find? Because they'll, they'll look. And they're going to start looking with you. They're going to start looking with me. And the call today is not for Republican or Democrat to stand up and be strong and proud. It's for the church of Christ the church of Jesus, man, to stand up, or should I say to bow down and be humble, to be strong, to be firm, to be gentle and kind, to be loving, joyful, full of peace, kindness, good. I mean, come on, fruit. See, I think we have a task in front of us. I want to call us today that, that the circumstances of our country should drive you and I to a, a, a firmer dedication to our purpose and our mission. So I want to jump off of that to get to our outline. So you can pull your outline out now. <laughs> and here's a number that I believe we should have tucked away. It comes out of 2 Corinthians. Paul wrote this as well. He said, therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. God, making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. 
your first blanks there say this. We are not only Americans, we are ambassadors of heaven. And I need us to remember that. Let's not fall for the oldest, not the oldest, but, but it's old, man. He's been using it a long time. That the fear of something new drive us off and chase rabbits all over the place. Let's stay the course. We are ambassadors for Christ. If, you, if you're not familiar with this 2 Corinthians passage, go and read it. Just go hang out there. Well, it's wonderful. You'll be encouraged when you get done. As Christ ambassadors, I want to point out a few things. Number one is this. You were not elected by people, but you were chosen and appointed by God. Look at what John chapter 15, verse 16 says. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed, appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. And that fruit that remains is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, I, I, I chose you. I, I picked you to be on my team so that you would go and bear fruit, man, that you would go and tell that you wouldn't be distracted by crazy chaos in, in culture and society, but you'd stay the course, man, because people are watching you. They, they're they're going to look for Jesus and they're going to start looking in you. Don't chase those rabbits. Don't fall for it. Don't bite the hook. Stay the course. Do you realize you don't have to engage in those conversations? You don't have to, I'm telling you. It's possible to to just not say anything. Yeah, but Joel, I have a very strong opinion and I, I have stuff to say. Okay, your point is. Well, Joel, I want to be right. Okay. But I want people to see Jesus in you. And sometimes... Our politics gets in the way of it. And I'm asking us, church, don't let that happen. Don't fall for it. It's an old trick. Don't fall for it. Stay the course as an ambassador. You're a, you're a representative of heaven to those people around you. You're an ambassador. Stay the course, man. Don't get knocked off. Second thing I want to point out. You're not just a normal American citizen. You are extremely important and have a vitally important mission. Look at 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Folks, we have a task. We have a task in front of us. Let's stay the course. What are you facing today? Where, where are the crazy spots in your life today? As we enter into this next week, you can look back on next week. I'm sorry, look back on last week. Where were the hot spots in your world? And 
does there need to be a course correction this coming week? Do you see the mission, our mission, our purpose found in that first Peter passage? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're not going to fall for that old scheme, fear of something new. We're going to stay the course. We are going to be a people of hope and peace and love. Those around us are going to be able to see Jesus. We have a task in front of us. The third thing I want to point out. Kyle, if you want to come on up. There's never a time that you and I don't represent Christ. There is no off-season. There is no timeout. First, in Peter, in First Peter, he goes on to say later in that chapter, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners as, and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of his visitation. See, we have a task. A task to point people to Jesus, to help them find Jesus in the midst of chaos. You see, I actually believe that we live in a time today, this may, I don't know how long this window of chaos will last, but it is in the midst of chaos that people are looking for peace and they're looking for hope. And we know the answer, don't we? Don't we? I, I'm really not interested in talking about millennials. I'm not interested in talking about that group of people and that group of people. I'm interested in talking about people that God sent his one and only son to die for. We know the answer. We know the answer. And let's not be distracted. Let's not fall for some of these old tricks. I'm not going to bite the hook. I'm going to stay the course with Jesus, man. I'm going to be an ambassador that represents him well. I'm going to be a good representative. Last verse, and I close with this out of Colossians. It's at the bottom of your outline. Paul says to the church in Colossae, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you, how you ought to answer each person. He says, let your speech always be gracious. Can you guys give me some words? Let's, let's just talk back with me here for a second. What are some words that describe gracious speech? Kind. Understanding. Compassionate. Thoughtful. Non-judgmental. Loving. Empathetic. But Joel, I want to be right. My team won. That's more important. I got to tell everybody my team won. No, you don't. That is not your task. That is not your mission. 
your mission is to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Anybody in this room, any of you guys, were you part of RAs when you were a kid? Anybody even know what RAs are? Steve, Ben? Royal Ambassadors. It's, it's like uh, Southern Baptist Boys, Boy Scouts. Is it close? Royal Ambassadors, man. And we are a royal priesthood, man. We are ambassadors of Christ in church. I'm calling every one of us. It starts with me. It starts with our elders, our life group leaders, our ministry leaders. And it, it starts with every one of us to go out of this place reminded I'm an ambassador of Christ first. We're aliens here. We're strangers in this place. It's not our home. Let's live as residents of the kingdom of God. Deal? Deal. It also says that our speech should be seasoned with salt. Meaning when the time is right, you insert the flavor of God. See, when the time was right, that guy was about to fall on his sword. Paul said, stop. Don't do it. We're here. Man, what, what must I do to be saved? Boom. Seasoned with salt. You'll know when it is. Keep your eyes peeled. Walk into every circumstance looking for God. Looking for Jesus. <clears throat> so this week, when you have a coworker that's still hurting, they're still in pain, when you have a coworker that is gloating, <laughs> help them find Jesus. It'd be hard to find. I know you're here somewhere, Jesus. I know you're here. You may have a personal circumstance going on right now. Jesus, I know you're here somewhere. It's just like that page, man. I got to keep looking. I had no idea you would be there. I thought you're more hidden than I thought you would be. You understand what I'm saying? Keep looking. Jesus is with you. He's present. Let's pray. Father, I pray that today we would be reminded, we would be encouraged by your Holy Spirit to be representatives of yours that, that do so well. That you are the first priority in our life. I pray, Lord, that none of us would fall for these schemes that the enemy has. Schemes of division. Schemes to to get people riled up into a frenzy. No, Lord, we're going to stay with calm, with poise and composure, knowing that you are with us. Though the circumstances may even look bad for our own behalf, we're going to trust that you're with us, that you're going to give us insight and wisdom into the words that we should speak. And Lord, when we don't know what to say, I pray that we would keep our mouths shut. Father, this is, this is a weekend that we in, in our nation celebrate those that have served our country. And we're thankful for those men and women. Lord, we're also thankful and we recognize this weekend how you served as well. That you stepped out of the majestic heaven and took, took on skin like us and became a servant. 
to the point of dying on the cross for each of our sins. Lord, I pray that today if there's someone here that has never trusted in you, like that jailer that just said, man, what must I do to be saved? And Peter gave gave it to him straight. Trust in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Father, I pray that someone here today that's that's never done that would call upon you right now. No need to wait. They would call on you and trust you with their life. Lord, go with us this week. Bless us as we strive to point people to you. In Jesus' name.